Hashem, we thank you. You are a good God. And we thank you for your presence here. God, even as we sung today, the one thing that we desire, that is to seek you, God, to dwell in your, pay, in your presence, Lord. And, and we cried out that you would cover us with the suchat shlomecha, the, the, the covering of your peace, God, your presence, your holy presence here. God, we don't take it for granted. We are so grateful, Lord, that you inhabit the praises of your people and you have manifested your presence here today. And now, God, we want to hear what you would speak to us through this message. Give us ears that are attentive, Lord, a heart that is responsive, and the will to change because of the things that you are teaching us through this word. And we pray all of this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Title of my message, It's Time to Wake Up. All right? Turn to your neighbor. Tell him it's time to wake up. Okay, if you don't say it, then I'm going to come down and tell your neighbor, okay? It's time to wake up. We are in the, the season of Elul, the month of Elul. This is a special season. It is the month before Rosh Hashanah, the month of Tishri. And in this month, one of the things we do, my husband uh, sung a song, let us in worship a song, one thing I ask, a song he wrote from Tehillim 27. Every day we are to read Tehillim 27 and to meditate upon that. It's a month of uh, introspection and preparation, you know, for uh, Rosh Hashanah. And also during this uh, month, and even a little bit before a little, we had these seven weeks of consolation, the special Haftarot portions that are read in synagogues around the world, you know, and uh, we've been singing this song the last couple of ru- uh, weeks from the first one, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami, comfort, comfort me, ye my people. So these special Haftarot uh, we've been speaking from to encourage us during this season. And I believe God has a word for us today, as he always does. And that word is, it's time to wake up. Tell your neighbor. Okay. So our Haftor portion is from Yeshiahu, Isaiah chapter 51, verse 12, through chapter 52, verse 12. So we're going to read a part of chapter 51 and then a part of chapter 52 as preparation to hear the word of the Lord today. You can follow up on the screen. You can follow on your e-book or your tree book. Either Any of those ways are good. Just pay attention. I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. Why are you afraid of a man who must die, of a human being who will wither like grass? You have forgotten Adonai, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. Instead, you are in constant fear all day because of the oppressor's rage as he prepares to destroy. But where is the oppressor's rage? The captive will soon be set free. He will not die and go down to Sheol. On the contrary, his food supply will be secure. It's a word for someone. For I am Adonai your God who stirs up the sea, who makes its waves roar. Adonai Tzivaot is my name. Going into chapter 52, reading the first 10 verses. Awake, awake. That's where I got the title of my message. Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Dress in your splendid garments, Jerusalem, the holy city. 
For the uncircumcised and the unclean will enter you no more. Shake off the dust. Arise. Be enthroned, Yerushalayim. Loosen the chains on your neck, captive daughter of Zion. For thus says Adonai, you were sold for nothing and you will be redeemed without money. For thus says Adonai Elohim, long ago my people went down to Egypt to live there as aliens. And Asher opposed them, oppressed them for no reason. So now, what should I do here, asked Adonai, since my people were carried off for nothing? Their oppressors are howling, says Adonai, and my name is always being insulted daily. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, on that day, they will know that I, the one speaking, here I am. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, proclaiming shalom, bringing good news of good things, announcing salvation, and saying to Zion, your God is king. Listen, you watchmen. Your watchmen are raising their voices, shouting for joy together, for they will see before their own eyes Adonai returning to Zion. Break out into joy. Sing together, you wounds of Jerusalem, for Adonai has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Adonai has bared his holy arm in the sight of every nation, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Friends, it is time to wake up and pay attention to the word of the Lord in this season and this time. So here are several things we need to wake up to. Number one, wake up and remember who your God is. Adonai encourages us to get rid of fear. This is one command that is given numerous times over and over again throughout the scriptures. Why? Because we have this tendency to give in to fear and anxiety and panic in the midst of crisis and of struggle. And this imagery here he uses is, why are you fearing man? Because what is he? He's a mere mortal that cannot compare to the great awesome God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And Israel was being told, don't panic at the sight of your enemy because he's not as powerful as your God. He's not as powerful as you think. We know we have an enemy. The enemy is not your husband sitting beside you. Okay? It's not the neighbor uh, across the street or across the aisle. Hasatan is our enemy. And he makes himself look so powerful that we can go into a panic mode and into stress and worry and fear. And God says, do not fear. Over and over again, he encourages us, do not fear. Fear comes in when we forget who God is in our lives. And that is what the enemy is good at helping us do. He magnifies the situations in our mind so that our focus is on it and not on Adonai. He manipulates our feelings and our emotions so that we forget that just last month, God did a miraculous things in our life and our situation. Think about the children of Israel. We're no different than them, but we all all marvel and we like think, how could they do this? God delivers them out of the land of Egypt, right? 
how awesome. The signs and the wonders, the plagues and things. And then they get there to the Red Sea and they panic. They're afraid. Why? Because the enemy magnifies that Red Sea and says, how are you going to get through? You're going to die. Oh, but what does God do? Splits the Red Sea. They walk across on dry land. And then he, you know, uh, takes care of Pharaoh and his army. Now they're on the other side of the Red Sea. And now they have no food. So what do they do? They panic and give in to fear. Oh, no, we're going to die out here. We're going to starve to death. Why did you bring us out here, Moshe? And they just forgot that God just split the Red Sea. See, that's what fear does. It makes us forget what God just did last week, last month, last year, what he did in his word, all the testimonies over and over again of his power and of his might. So the enemy manipulates our feelings and emotions to get us to forget who our God is. What problem are you facing today? Is there sickness in your body, pain, discomfort? Do you have a financial crisis? Are relationships strained? Are you fighting depression? Is anxiety overwhelming you? Do you have a mountain that you just can't seem to go over? I want to encourage you, don't allow Hasatan to grip your heart with fear. Don't let... His lies control you and your response to the circumstance. Don't allow his anger to overwhelm you because today God wants you to remember who he is, the eternal one, the creator of the heavens and the earth. So how do we do this? How do we wake up to remember who our God is? Well, first we need to focus on the awesome, mighty power of the creator of the universe. Here in Isaiah, this verse beautifully describes who God is for us. He stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. Just look at it. It's a beautiful day today. As you leave the the sanctuary and the synagogue today, look at the blue sky. Look at, at the beautiful scenery around you. God laid that. He created it all. And he's your maker. He created you and me. And and look around this room. Turn around. Look around this room. Go ahead. You have permission to turn around. Everyone is different. We all look different. We're different sizes and shapes, and and we have different backgrounds, and and we have different likes. And I like chocolate. You know, my daughter likes ice cream. I like that too. You know, you may like something else. Right? But God created each one of us as individuals with our likes and our strengths and our weaknesses. He's our maker. He knows the innermost being of us. He knows how we tick, even when we don't know how we do. And it says, Adonai Tzivaot is his name. Do you know what that means in Hebrew? Well, do you know what it means in English? Obviously, Hebrew, you don't know maybe. But Adonai Tzivaot in English is what? The Lord of hosts meaning the armies of heaven. That's the God you serve. He is the Lord of hosts. We are told in the scriptures that he goes out before us. Even when we say, arise, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered in the, in the Vayahi. Every week we are calling upon God to rise up and go before us as he did before ancient Israel. That's the God that you and I serve. So whatever situation you are facing today, whatever circumstance, whatever report that you have heard from the doctor or from anyone else, you need to remember who your God is. Yes. 
He is Adonai Tzivaoth, the great mighty God. And no one and nothing can stand before his presence. Think about it. He spoke and the world came into existence. No one can create. Do you understand that? People invent things, but nobody creates. All the inventions and things today take things that exist and make them into something else. God spoke, there was nothing, and it came into being. Only God creates at his word. That's powerful. Gives me goosebumps. I don't know about you, but I'm a good time up here. He spoke, his word spoke, and there was the heavens and the earth. There was the sun, the trees, the grass, the flowers, all of that, just because he spoke. And you think your situation is too difficult for him? No, friends, not at all. There is nothing too difficult for him. Nothing that you're facing that he can't handle and that he can't take care of. We also need to focus on his plans for our freedom and deliverance. In verse 14, he says, the captive will soon be set free. Right before that, he's talking about the oppressor's rage. And he says, where is the oppressor's rage? In other words, you're so upset by this enemy, thinking that he's going to overwhelm you and he's going to defeat you and he's going to bring you down. And he says, no, 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 no. The captives will soon be set free. He will not die. On the contrary, his food supply will be secure. Again, that's a word for someone, that phrase, the food supply will be secure. Someone is worried about, you know, these practical things in life. And Yeshua tells us, and this is all free here, not part of my notes, but he says, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, about what you're going to drink, about the, you know, over your head, the roof over your head. He says, look at the lilies of the field and the sparrows. He says, look how beautifully they are clothed. And if I can take care of them, I'm going to take care of you. So whoever is worrying about that, God wants you to know today he's got you covered. We need to focus on his plans. Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know. Tell your neighbor God knows. God knows what plans he has for you. Plans for well-being, not for bad things. Anytime you think God is out to get you, you need to kick that thought out of your head. Because that's not God's heart. He says, I know the plans I have. They are plans for your well-being. They are plans for your good, not for bad. Well, how come bad things happen in my life? One, we live in a fallen world. And unfortunately, that is just the consequence of a fallen world. Secondly, we do have an enemy who tries to bring service and pain into our life. So when I'm experiencing bad things, I don't blame God because I know that that's not God's plan for my life. Because his plan, according to his word, is for my well-being, to give me a hope and a future. Some of you need to take this verse and plaster it all over your house and your car and meditate upon it and get it deep into your soul. His plan is always for good in your life, and he wants you to be free from the enemy. And he will provide for every need you have. Secondly, you need to wake up and clothe yourself for victory. Jumping down now to chapter 52, verse 1. Awake, awake, Sion. Clothe yourself with your strength. 
dress in your splendid garments. You must see yourself as one who walks in victory. Rabbi Michael mentioned this in his message recently, that we are not victims, but we are victors. You need to change the way you think. The scriptures tell us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And God is telling Israel, clothe yourself with strength. And he's telling us today, clothe yourself with strength. God is ready to bring deliverance and to fulfill his purposes in our lives, but there's always something that we are called to do in cooperation with him. Even our salvation depends on our act of faith. Think about it. Yeshua died on the tree of sacrifice as Myrna shared in her Devar Torah, and because of that, our names are written in the book of life, and he took and atoned for our sins. But we have to take a step of faith. And put our trust in what he did, don't we? So Yeshua did all that he could do, but if we don't trust in him, then we're not recipients of his atoning work. So there's always something that, that we have to do. And Adonai declared that he's going to bring deliverance to Israel. And that's the whole context. If you read through these chapters, which, again, we've encouraged you during this season to be reading these special Haftarot. And he calls on Israel, and he calls on us to get ready for that victory. Now, if you follow me on Instagram or on Facebook, you know that I like to post a scripture of the day. I don't always get one on every day, but I figure there is enough bad stuff, you know, posted all over the Internet uh, that it is my heart to post the Word of God. And so as much as I'm able to do that, I put a verse up there uh, as many days as I can. And one of the scriptures this week was from Ephesians 6.16. And it tells us to take the shield of faith. I just finished reading the book of Ephesians. And and that last chapter 6 is all about the armor that God has given us. And then he tells us about clothing ourselves to secure the victory that always God wants to give to us. So it says, always carry the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Friends, we often drop our shields of faith in the midst of the battle. And I get it. I'm in a battle every day just like you are. I have things going on, issues in my life, my family, you know, immediate, extended family, text me, pray for this, Carol, pray for this. Things going on. So the enemy is shooting those fiery darts at us. And the way to extinguish those is to lift up our shield of faith. But we often drop them down and we allow our thoughts and lives to be overrun with doubt and unbelief. When you're feeling unbelief, when you're feeling doubt, when you're uncertain that God's word is true for your life, you've dropped your shield of faith. And God wants to encourage you, clothe yourself with strength. Use the whole armor that he has given you. And we've spoke on this passage from Ephesians so many times, but it's good to be reminded. And take the sword of the Spirit. This is the only offensive weapon we've been given. What is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. You know, and I shared this recently at the last woman's breakfast, and I shared it in the message afterwards. Some of us never, ever pick up the Bible and read the Word of God. Hello? Hello? 
Am I saying this to you in love because I care for you? That word is your weapon against the lies of hell. That word is your weapon to defeat the attacks of enemy. That word is your weapon to walk in victory. I'm glad you're here listening to my message. Or if you're listening to it on the podcast, great. But you need to be in the word regularly. As I said a few weeks ago, at least five times a week, five days a week. Take Shabbat off because you're listening to the message here. Take up the sword. That's clothing yourself with strength. And use that sword against the lies of hell. Ephesians 6 says, use all the weaponry that God has given you. We need to pick up our weapons and start engaging the enemy of our soul. Don't let him walk all over you. Also, the image we used here in Isaiah is to, it says, to clothe ourselves in splendid garment. Dress like a child of the king. You know, there's a saying in the world, dress for success. You know, however you dress, you know, and that's basically what Adonai is saying here. He's saying, you're my child and you need to dress and act like that. Walk like you are victorious and enjoy all that I have, God is saying. So I was reading an article about this passage and the author was relating uh, in this article about a book written by someone named Michael Griffith called Cinderella with Amnesia. And now I don't know this book, but the, the writer of this article was talking about it. He says, the cover shows a picture of Cinderella sitting in rags by the fireplace. She's gazing, gazing at a glass slipper in her hand, and her face reveals utter bewilderment. She obviously has no idea what it is or where it came from. Although somewhere out there the prince pursues her as the love of his life, she has completely forgotten. She has no idea who she is nor the wonderful future she could enjoy. That's the imagery here when God says, dress in your splendid garments. Some of you are sitting there like the Cinderella with amnesia, with a glass slipper, and you have no clue who you are. You are a daughter of the King Most High. I have this, when I redid my daughter's room a few years ago, I had a verse made up in that vinyl thing, and it says, the King's daughter is beautiful within and without, and that's right over her bed, to remind her who she is in God. You need to dress like a child of the king, like a daughter of the king, like the son of the king, who has purpose in their lives. You have a purpose. Again, he has plans for your life. So you need to wake up to clothe yourself. Number three, wake up and shake off the past. Again, in chapter 52, verse 2, it says, shake off the dust. Dust is a sign of mourning. It's also a sign that you haven't cleaned your house. Okay? You know, it doesn't take much. You know, my husband and I were cleaning this, uh, this week here in the synagogue. If you'd like to join any of the cleaning teams, look on the calendar, just a little plug here. We could use help. Uh, so it's on the calendar each week, the day and time that the cleaning teams clean. So we were here, and he's like, I don't think they cleaned last week. 
You know, and I said, oh, Michael, they did. I said, it's just think about our house. We could say that, you know, come Sunday. Nobody cleaned. No, we've lived in it for a week. You know, and it's when you, the dust and everything just settles down. And I believe it also represents our past. And many people, like I referred to ancient Israel, are, are like Israel when they came out of Egypt and they begin to mourn over what they thought they had left behind. Oh, Moshe, we no longer have the leeks and the onions. I happen to like onions. I'm not a leek eater, but onions are, and garlic. I do like garlic, so they're from the same family. But they forget. With all those leeks and onions, they were slaves. We've talked about this before. Don't romanticize your past. Like it was something that, oh, it was so great. They were slaves doing backbreaking work. And even if you did have a good past, I want to tell you, your past is your past. That's, that's, that's the truth. There is nothing you can do to change your past but we can learn from it and make better decisions in our present and in our future. But no one, not one of us, can change anything that has happened in the past. Now, my family likes sci-fi, and we do like the movies about time travel, you know, but let's face it, it's all make-believe. None of us can travel in time back to change anything. Earlier in the book of Isaiah, Adonai encourages us with these words from chapter 43, verse 18 through 19. Stop dwelling on past events and brooding over times gone by. I am doing something new. It's springing up. Can't you see it? I am making a road in the desert, river in the wasteland. So too often we keep reliving the past in our minds. We replay it over and over and over and over and over. Get the picture? And over again. Words and events. Thinking that somehow we will be able to do something about it. You can't. Friends, you can't. You can't change the past. If only I had done such and such. You didn't. Okay? You didn't. So move on. More importantly, shake off the dust of the past. Don't let it define your present or your future. Friends, there is so much that God has for you. Even Myrna, the scripture she, she closed with, eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has in store for you. He says in Ephesians that he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could ask or imagine. I have a good imagination. My dreams are in technicolor. I'm just saying. When we first got married and I woke up and I was telling my husband my dream and he's like, you remember all that? I said, don't you dream? He didn't remember them. Shake off the past. Embrace the present and the future. What God has for you and your family and for this community here of Beth Emanuel.
He says, I'm doing something new. Can't you see it? And often we cannot because we are so focused on past events and people. But God has so many good things in store for you in this congregation. So let's embrace this present and let's embrace the future and get out of the past. Like I said, not one of us can change anything from last month, last year, five years ago. But we can embrace what God is doing now and what he wants to do in the future. But I can hear you because I'm your rabbi. So I can hear those voices in your mind saying, but Rabbi Carol, I don't see God moving at all in my life. That's why he calls us to open our eyes of faith. He declares here in this passage that he is making a road in the desert and rivers in the wasteland. In other words, where there seems to be no way, I am making a way. Where there seems to be nothing, I'm going to bring abundance. And you need to open your eyes to see what he is going to do. One writer said it like this. Sometimes... Things will happen, and we get beaten down by the accuser and by what happens to us in the world, by a certain situation or a group of people or sometimes just one person. Or it may be our hereditary, the family we came from, which you can't change, P.S., or the lack of family we came from. We may have caused it, or we may have had no control over it happening. Whatever may be the case, it always tries to weasel its way in between our relationship with the Lord if we let it. And if we are not careful, it can become a focal and dwelling point with us. And one thing we don't need to be doing is looking behind. We need to look towards the future. Our best days are ahead of us, not behind us. We need to learn to let go of the past and never revisit it again. Amen? The best is yet to come. Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. And let go of the past. Stay with me. I have a couple more things and then we'll be done. Wake up and throw off the chains of darkness. Verse 2 of chapter 52. Loosen the chains on your neck, Captain Daughter Zion. Adonai is saying, free yourself. What do you mean? How can I free myself? God, I'm in such a mess. You have to do something for me. And his response is, I have done all that I can do. Now you need to do what you must do. Let's think of the many stories in the Bible to see how this is played out. Again, we've talked a lot about the story of Egypt. Adonai sent the plagues. And, but the children of Israel had to pack up their stuff and actually walk out of Egypt. God did what he could do. He wasn't going to translate them over the other side of the, the Red Sea. They had to pack their things. They had to get their families, get all of their livestock, and actually take that first step to head out of Egypt. Think of the story of Kepha in Acts. Right? He's in prison. He's in chains. He's sleeping. The angel comes and slaps him and says, wake up and loosen the chain. But Kepha had to stand up. And walk out. Now, the angel could have translated and took him immediately out, but he didn't. Kepha had to get up, take the chains off. Even though they were loosened, he had to remove them, get up, and he walked past one set of guards, two set of guards, three set of guards. He doesn't even think it's real. He thinks he's dreaming. It's not until he gets outside that he realizes, wow, this is real. I'm free. 
That's a realization that many of you need to get. You are free. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Too many of us are sitting in jail with the shackles, shackles on us, even though Adonai has broken them off. Throw off the bondages of hell in your life. Walk into the freedom that Yeshua died to give to you. Declare to the powers of darkness, I am free. Let's try that. Let's proclaim that. I am free. Okay, you want to say it like you believe it? Okay, let's try it again. I am free. Satan has no hold on you or me. Okay? He wants you to think he does, but he doesn't. Why? Because you are covered by the blood. Your master is Yeshua, not Hasatan. You don't have to listen to him. You need to say, you can no longer keep me in bondage. I am free. Your chains have been broken off me. I am free to walk into my destiny. I am free to be all that God wants me to be. Wake up. Number five, wake up and proclaim the good news. This has been woven into my messages. This was in the last message I preached, I know, but... You need to hear it again. Why do I know that? Because it's right here in this passage that I'm preaching from. How beautiful. Manavu. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Wake up and proclaim the good news of Yeshua the Messiah. We have been freed. Our names are written in the book of life. Again, I know I said this in my last message, but I couldn't avoid this passage, this scripture here. We need to say to others, proclaim the good news, and specifically for us as a community reaching out to the Jewish people, Hine HaMelech Yeshua, behold the King Yeshua the Messiah. It's a theme woven throughout this year in our messages because it's something that God is wanting us to hear and do something about. Friends, your feet should be bringing good news to those lost and dying around you. We are called to be light in the dark world. And yes, this is partially done by how we live our lives. You need to be a good example, uh, watching your mouth and your attitudes and displaying godly virtues. But this passage tells us we need to proclaim, open our mouths, and speak of the hope we have in Messiah. We said it before, and we're going to keep saying it because this is what it's all about. Every week, you and I should be telling others about Yeshua. Every week, you should be coming and bringing someone here with you who doesn't yet know Yeshua. It's not said in condemnation. It's said as reality. That's what we're here for. Those 12 Talmudim in the book of Acts and those who gathered with them turned the known world upside down and everywhere they went, they brought the good news of Yeshua the Messiah. 
You know, our official times of outreach have come to a close as the summer months have ended. But it doesn't mean we stop proclaiming. We just look for opportunities in our daily life. As we went out this uh, Thursday night, it was my family and Bob went out. Chris and her family and Kathy and Gary and them stayed to pray. And as we were leaving Port Jeff, my husband was saying to Bob, you know, we shared with six people in that half hour or so that we were there because it was getting darker. He says, think about it. These six people heard the good news of Yeshua. In, in a half hour's time, we shared with six people. How awesome. But you and I have that responsibility to proclaim the good news of Yeshua every day of our lives. And I'm going to tell you, I know that I know that I know that there are people in your life every day that God wants you to share the good news with. And you and I need to wake up to proclaim the good news of Yeshua the Messiah. Next, wake up and rejoice. Verse 9, break out into joy. Sing, you ruins of Jerusalem, for Adonai has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Often the prophet called the people of Israel to rejoice and sing. Even though things were bad, even though they were in a foreign land, even though life seemed like it couldn't get any worse, they were encouraged to rejoice and sing. He called them to rejoice because he knew that he was on the move. Our Haftorah for next week, which my husband will be speaking from, from 52, sing, uh, 54, sings, Sing, O barren woman, you who had no children, rejoice. And he tells to rejoice before the fruitfulness comes. The word used here for break out in joy has this connotation. It's one of those words that has two meanings that are sort of the opposite of each other. That's often the case in, in Hebrew. We have some words like that in English as well. But it means to be in a peaceful state which has the absence of worry or distress. On the other hand, it also has this connotation of starting with a focus on great sin and extensive energy. And God's telling us to break out in peace, in our hearts, yet with a zeal and energy. Why can we rejoice? Because Adonai is here. Simple. He's our redeemer. Yes, when I look at my life, and maybe when you look at your life, you may see ruins like Jerusalem was in ruins at this time. But the promise is that God is here to comfort his people and to redeem. And redemption means that he will restore. And as one writer said it, it means he will stand up for his people and he will vindicate them. And there's no one like God to vindicate you. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Thank you, Evan, for that water. When the enemy has brought devastation and ruin, God wants to bring restoration and rebuild your life. Where ac accusation has been brought, Adonai will vindicate, even from last week's Haftorah. No weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises up in accusation against you will be caused to shut up. 
God is for us, not against us, and he will shut the mouth of the accuser, and he will restore what the enemy has tried to take away from us. Sing, rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Let the joy of the Lord well up within you. And finally, ending how we started, wake up and remember God is greater. Verse 10, it says, Adonai has bared his holy arm in the sight of every nation, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Look at the imagery here. God has bared his holy arm, and I think God's biceps are like five times the size of my husband's, and my husband has pretty big biceps, in case you were wondering. Uh, Pretty solid. But when I think of this, I think of this huge arm that, that is so awesome and mighty. That I know my biceps are not that big, sorry. Which actually you're probably grateful because I'm a woman, so I don't want huge biceps. But, but God has ba- bared his holy arm. Over and over this imagery is used of the arm of the Lord that works deliverance and salvation on behalf of his people. And so this sandwich on either side of this passage is this call to remember the great, awesome God that we have. His arm represents his strength and power. With a mighty outstretched arm, he delivered Israel from Egypt. He protected her from her enemies with his arm. You can read all these scriptures in the Bible about this. And he drew the nations to himself with his mighty right arm. So God is calling us to wake up and remember who he is, that he is not some puny little God who has no power. Okay, you know I like movies, and it just popped in my head. How many saw? And you see, Andy got the imagery, puny God, right? When Hulk takes, uh, what's his name, Loki, and he goes, puny God. See, that's the gods of the world. That's not like our God. Our God is mighty and powerful. He is able to save. He is able to deliver. He is able to change your situation. So as we close the day, I want to encourage you, wake up. Wake up to these truths and apply them in our lives. Take action today. Change the way you think and the way you look at things in your life. Become active in God's working in your life. Let go of the past and embrace the new things Adonai wants to do. Allow him to do his work and cooperate with him through your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Let's stand to our feet and close in prayer. God, I thank you that you are an awesome, powerful God. Lord, my heart is encouraged by your word today, Lord. There is nothing too difficult for you. And God, I hear your call to wake up, Lord, and I pray that each one in this sanctuary and those listening to this message around the world and across the nation by podcast would hear your call to wake up. It is time to wake up. And God, that we would wake up and that we would apply these truths in our lives, God, that we would not allow the enemy's lies to uh, to torment us. We would not live in the past. We would rise up as victors, Lord, clothing ourselves in the weapons that you have given to us, dressed as daughters and kings, daughters and sons of the king. 
walking in victory, proclaiming how good and awesome you are. There's no God like you. In the heavens above or in the earth below, you alone are true and faithful. I thank you that your plans are for good. I thank you that the best is yet to come in this congregation and in each of our lives, God. And we embrace, we just embrace and receive your word. Just receive the word that God quickened to your heart through the message. We receive it, God. We receive it into our spirits, Lord. Our faith and our hope is in you. Our faith and hope is in you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close with the ironic benediction. And then Rabbi Michael will minister in a song as we uh, end our service here. Just a reminder, if you are an usher or you would like to be an usher, make your way up to the mezzanine for a meeting with Evan. Uh, those who have kids in the nursery or junior Shabbat, you need to make sure you pick them up. They won't be released without you uh, going to get them. So this is the way we are to bless you according to Bami Bar number six. You are to say, Yevarechacha Adonai Vayishmerecha, may Adonai bless you and keep you. Yeer Adonai Panavalecha Vikunecha, may Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. Yisa Adonai Panavalecha Vyasim Lecha Shalom, may Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. In this way, we are putting upon you his name so that you will walk in his blessing and in his joy. Wake up, go forward. Amen.